Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Looking Up podcast. Great to have you here. This week we had a really awesome conversation with Caitlin Watson, who is a local board member for Hibiscus Coast and Bays. She actually ran a campaign in her first year of university and got elected, so really impressive. We talked to her a little bit about age and how she overcame some of the barriers of age. We also talked about community engagement, especially with some of the younger generations, getting them a bit more involved, and also the distinction between local board and the more national level, and how sometimes local doesn't really get as much attention, so how we can drive a bit more um, engagement in that area. We also talked about just some of the awesome projects that they're doing around the community. So really hope you enjoy it, and um, thanks for tuning in. Constantly in a public space. I like it has that you meaning like how they personally like for them. you just like constantly posting on social media okay. and being yeah. in videos and starting mm. to communicate with people all the time yeah. and being sort of a public figure in that sense. Mm. Mm. Um, no, I find it's been like I guess challenging in the sense of trying to make sure um, I sort of do make sure I cover all bases and letting people know what is going on mm. and making sure that you're. Um, keeping that communication and p- keeping people engaged um, and so that's because that's something that I really was my goal and something I aspired to do is to um, be open and transparent so and making sure that people can have that avenue to um, be engaged and make sure that they they know what's going on and it because ultimately we're there to serve the people as elected representatives and um, yeah so I think that's it's been challenging just making sure that I sort of keep myself accountable towards it and keep working towards that. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> so um, could you describe maybe just what would be the day-to-day uh, sort of jobs and things that you have to do while on the local board? Day-to-day jobs. Okay. Well, every day is a different day on local board. There's always um, something new popping up. But Basically, there'll be got lots of meetings at Ottawa Council Chambers or in Browns Bay where we either workshop different items, what's going on in council and um, helping us in the decision-making process when it comes to our monthly business meetings where we um, sign off. But um, other days, there might be a lot of engagement, community events, um, do citizenship ceremonies, which is really cool to see the awesome. diversity in the community and welcome people in um, that for- formal um, way. But yeah, there's <laughs> every day's a different day. Yeah. There's always something new going on, and emails, keeping up with constituents, their concerns, and trying to um, push forward their issues and get some <laughs> results there. Yeah. So. Um, so, at what moment did you first realize that running for the board was something that you wanted to do? Something that I wanted to do. Well, it's sort of always been um, in my mind for a few years. So I stood for the board at the age of 18. Um, it was first time candidate and voter. So it was a very exciting time getting to um, pursue two different democratic <laughs> rights and privileges. Um, but yeah, so funnily enough, I had the idea when I was a few years before before that. Um, and that's because my dad, is he's been involved in council for several years, so I've had the exposure to local government and the exposure to what he has done um, and the work he has um, pursued in the community. And I guess, yeah, that's he really inspired me um, to sort of go towards that. And I guess I've seen as a young person how important it is for young people to go forward and... Um, have a young voice in the mix to represent their um, 
the issues because they're not always um, taken up for because we're going to be the inheritors us as young people of the communities of the towns we're in so we've got to um, as I mentioned champion the issues that um, are to change and for example there's one of the current tasks for me has been trying to secure funding for a community organization who serves the youth um, in our community and otherwise I think there, there wouldn't necessarily be that person to take up their um, fight if there is a young person it appears that this commute this organization serves that um, and I know the importance of their work so I think that's one of the re- that's ultimately the reason why to have that young voice um, yeah and just get involved in the community in that way so, mm, awesome. yeah. have you found any barriers um, being a young person in local politics um as a young person I have well, yes. So I think one of the questions that you put forward was gender, like as a woman in, your, in yep. politics, have I had any um, barriers in that space? I would say no, because I think we've been very, um, it's the women who've gone before us who have for, um, been able to create the space for us as mm. a woman today to be able to be involved in um, politics and pursue roles in, in this um, sphere. Um, but on the other hand, I think as a young person, I have actually had a bit more, a few more <laughs> challenges. And um, yeah, I, f- I think that some people can be a bit dismissive sometimes of young people and what they may have to offer. But um, on the other hand, there are people who are really supportive and who, um, yeah, who have been like encouraging and wanting to make sure that that young voice is included. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we do continue to encourage people to um, to step up young people and, and to enter politics and local politics in particular because, um, yeah, it's really down with the communities and who young people are in touch with as well. Um, and I think it's really cool what you guys are doing here is in the Looking Up podcast um, space because you guys are the ones who are empowering our young people and creating that way for people to become inspired. Mm. So, yeah, well, thank you. I think we're really lucky to have inspiring people who are willing to come on as well. Um, going back to that, um, when you um, come across people who are sometimes a bit dismissive or like that, mm. how, how do you approach that? How have you learned to manage um, being looked down upon a little bit mm. because of your age? Um, I believe it sort of comes down to, I guess, knowing what you're there for and holding on to that vision of what you want to see done for your community. And um, it's about, yeah, just pursuing that and just having that confidence in in that vision and knowing that you want to continue to work towards that and knowing that yeah there's going to be people along the way there's going to be naysayers who might not always be supportive and there to um, back you up but yeah you've just got to keep working towards what you've like set out for yourself and knowing so ultimately I'm there as a representative for my community so I'm there to represent the community um, my constituents the people who I hold dear to my heart not to anyone else who might say otherwise and be discouraging in that what have you found to be sort of like one of the most effective ways of engaging people uh, in politics that wouldn't necessarily be as engaged before Mm. well that's a very good question because I think we live in such a different world today with technology and whatnot and I think that for me has been one of the ways that I've tried to well 
get people more engaged and informed in what's going on. It's just such a um, important avenue for information sharing. And for example, there was I shared something the other day about the Stanwell Bay Beach. They've got after we've had a lot of storms recently in the area, and um, yeah, so there was some work going on there to sort of remedy the effects of the um, the coastal erosion that had occurred. And so I just shared something like that. I mean, I had a friend message me saying, "Thanks so much for like letting that putting that out there because I don't read lo- local newspaper newspaper. I don't know what's going on and what the council's doing to actually address." what's um, happening to our beaches and environment so yeah I think it's simple ways like that which you know people appreciate because we are seeing a shift people are reading their news online and not from traditional um, forums such as a paper copy of the local newspaper Um, so it's ways like that but also I've started started up a group for to try and engage youth more called the Coast Students Collective so that's just um, a group of different representatives from schools around the um, Hibiscus Coast and a way for them to have that um, collaboration and collective voice and inputting into council's um, decisions and putting the ideas forward and yeah just giving that unity amongst the youth um, from the schools on the coast as well. So yeah, so I think there is a challenge in realising that it's it's a different world we live on in today, mm-hmm. so you've got to be quite um, crafty with how you're engaged. And, for example, we also had, I ran an event with Tessa Berger, who's on the Rodney local board, and she's another young young representative. And we ran a Youth Voters Meet the Candidates event for the general election last year. So that was um, run at Northern Union, and it was just an informal way um, we had a panel of all our candidates for the Rodney electorate, and that was uh, what I believe really to be really successful because um, and quite a few young people there streamed online. People got to hear what <clears throat> the candidates had to say, their vision, and what they plan to do if elected into government. So, mm. yeah, it's about I think changing up it up and try try new things. Whereas we also um, a couple of my colleagues and I have done some cafe chat sessions where we're gone to a cafe and say hey come down have a chat what's issues going on um what are your concerns and whatnot and um we've only had a handful of people come to that so I think it's it's constantly trying new things trying to adapt and to it depends to your the age group as well and obviously it's the young people who are more disengaged so got to try and meet them where they are at and it appears to be that that's online and social media yeah yeah, yeah that's really cool I mean I mean it's pretty well documented that voter turnout uh, and within yes. young people is quite yes. low, and specifically in New Zealand, but around yeah. the world as well. Mm. Um, so I think initiatives like you've, you've started um, with a collection and engaging people online is super important, mm. um, and I think you've done a really good job of that. Mm. Um, I've been checking out the Facebook page and stuff, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's really good. Oh, mm. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges, because we've got... Um, our central government, I think it was the 2017 voter turnout for last year, it was... Um, 79% and then we had local government in 2016 the voter turnout was 38.5% so we've got quite a difference between um, the levels of engagement there and in both um, areas we had young people as the um, lowest people to turn out to vote and I think one of the ways really important ways that needs to be addressed this issue is through civics education and I think that's where Auckland Council has really stepped up to the mark with the last election we had 
um, a mock election. So within schools, our young up-and-coming voters, they got to um, have a sort of a mock election and learn about Auckland Council, what it does, what are its functions, and mm. get to know the candidates. And then they got to do online voting themselves. So it was also trying, <laughs> trying out that new way of um, engaging with um, elections. So, yeah, I think it's encouraging that there is progress and hopefully people realise just the importance of using your democratic right to go um, and vote because ultimately at the end of the day, um, decisions, political decisions are still going to be made whether people turn out or not. So governments Mm. still run. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's something really important issue that we do have to continually address. Can you tell us a bit about someone who inspires you? Inspires me. Okay, so inspires me. So someone, a historical figure who has always inspired me and who I guess I've learned quite a bit about recently by reading up of them is um, someone who was the pioneer for the um, the abolition movement of slavery that was William Wilberforce and he yeah he's just really inspired me by the way he not only did he enter the house of commons at a a very young age 21 but just his persistence in fighting his causes so I think it took about 20 years for him to see slavery abolished um and so I think he really set an example there of just he had his vision he had his goal in mind what he wanted to see achieved and he kept on working towards that despite as we mentioned before the naysayers people who are not always on the same page um and furthermore I think he's he actually, I think the, we have the social consciousness we have in our society today because of him and what how he fought and um, continued to push forward with the, addressing those human rights issues there. So I think his legacy is so strong and um, so evident today. But in the council, Sophia, so if we're to talk about um, local government, um, who has inspired me by the work they've done and what they've taken up would probably be recently we have had Efeso Collins and um, John Watson, uh, <laughs> the uh, elected members for elected councillors for Auckland on the whole. Um, they took forward the issue of business class travel and th- I think that's really important that they've sort of set that culture in the organisation that it's not okay, we're here to serve the public. Um, so we need to, and one of the things that the council is trying to do is to cut, um, to cut the spending and where it's, where it's seen to be frivolous and um, make sure they have the value for money. And I think that's one way that they're really sort of, sort of setting that example and making sure, hey, this is not okay, we're here to serve the public and we need to take care of our money here. And then also, and one of my colleagues on the Hibiscus and Bays local board, David Cooper, who represents the East Coast Bays, um, I really admire the way that he's been pushing for open um, workshops, because currently we, in the council, we have um, closed door workshops, which is where we receive a lot of information and um, help to make our decisions, um, help with the processes there. And he's been pushing for that to make sure that council is shown has transparent and showing that we are open in the con- conduct of our business. So there's a political figure um, yeah. on the grand scheme. We've got William Wilberforce and Justin, the local government, Sophia, there's a few examples. That's from, awesome. yeah. What would you say were your causes? So transport is something that really interests me. We've got Penlink, which has been 
on the radar for many, many years. Um, and it's just a real shame. It's a project which has got the highest benefit-to-cost ratio um, amongst all the transport projects in Auckland, um, yet we're struggling to um, make sure, commit funding to that. So that's one that's <laughs> still on the horizon. Additionally, we have the Gulf Harbour Ferry. So we have our week our ferry service, which goes there, takes the commuters into the um, city. Cannot recommend it enough. It's a beautiful way to travel, very peaceful and pleasant. Um, but yes, I've been trying to push for weekend ferry service to take people from Gulf Harbour to the city for events, day trips, whatnot. Mm. And um, we've got to see, we might as well use it. And then to also encourage people to come up to the Hibiscus Coast as a way of tourism. We've got a lot to offer. We've got Shakespeare Regional Park, got world-class golf course. We've got um, about 12 beaches at our fingertips. So, you know, we're pretty spoiled here on the Hibiscus Coast. Um, so that's something that we've been trying to champion, champion personally, but as a local board. Um, and what else? I recently got the bus service from Hibiscus Coast Station to the university. So put out a survey um, online asking people, you know, is there demand for a direct service from Hibiscus Coast Station to um to the universities, AUT and University of Auckland, and there was just an overwhelming response of people really um, keen to see that because I think being on the peripheries as a community on the Hibiscus Coast, we aren't necessarily, um, don't have the greatest services when it comes to transport, and um, we've got a lot of tertiary students who do go use travel into the city, and um, we need to be trying to make these services more convenient for people. So that's something we'll be putting forward to Auckland Transport to try mm. hopefully get some results going there. If Penlink has the highest cost-to-benefit ratio, how come the council hasn't done anything about it yet? Um, well, currently what the um, council is saying, the mayor is saying, is that we're we're strapped for money. We don't have any funds available and, you know, at the moment, the council's been out for consultation for its long-term plan mm. and trying to find out other mechanisms which they can fund um, transport projects because we've got a long list which need to be implemented to catch up to the growth that's occurred in Auckland and is to con is continually coming. So, um, as you may have heard, there's been a regional fuel tax proposed. Um, so that's one of the ways that they're hoping that could address these um transport's concerns um, and the lack of investment in transport. Um, so if that is implemented, we would hope that, so these are questions that need to be asked when it comes to debate around this um, shortly, is that it's equitable across the region so that the north is considered infected and if so, we would hope that Fairlink would be what, on one of the mm. priorities because in the um, revised Auckland Transport Alignment Project last year it was um, prioritised into the next decade, decade which was a significant improvement. Um, so yeah, and ultimately there's a lot of projects across the region and it's, yeah, we have to continue to push for it to make sure that it is it is addressed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important that it is equitable around the regions. Yeah, um, that's definitely. right. Yeah. Um, do you think that the the um, petrol tax is the right way to go? Um, so the fuel tax, well, for me and for the community I represent, we have to spend a lot more on petrol for travelling distances because whereas you see the um, 
in the central city, they have trains and whatnot. They've had a lot of investment into transport, and mm. they're not necessarily going to be as hit hard by this tax because they might, don't have to spend as much to top up, and they've got other um, ways that they can transport. Whereas out on the coast, where we have to travel large distances every day mm. to um, get from A to B, B to B to A. So I would be supportive of it if it's if you see the direct benefit to um, people on the coast and that's waiting to see that prioritised list of projects. Otherwise, if there's not going to be benefit, then we have people paying a significant amount um, every year because we think the estimated amount is $180 that um, people might have to pay um, extra for this tax. And... So you've got to see that benefit too if you're paying, paying for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there seems to be more, just a lot more growth going on in Hibiscus Coast in terms of people moving there. And I guess yeah. the base is pretty full yeah. already, so yeah, there's that's not really right. much room for development. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you found any pushback on the, the growth and the expansion of Hibiscus Coast Gro- with the members? Well, that's the thing. So ultimately, we're, we're, um, we don't have any say in allowing consents of um, you know, works to go on with different developments. Um, so that's completely out of our um, jurisdictions. But I think we, we have our concerns definitely about the growth and that the infrastructure isn't being provided um, before all, that, all the growth, well, all the buildings actually taking place. So you, know, you get these lovely new houses and subdivision um, areas that are being built, but you don't necessarily have the transport infrastructure yeah. to keep up with it to um, enable that um, flourishing community that you mm. need. So, yeah, and that way right, there definitely are concerns, and that's where the local board plays a strong role in advocacy. So, so we've got a lot of work to do where we advocate to different council organisations such as Auckland Transport um, and making sure that that infrastructure is being provided mm. for as well. And I think one of the challenges with these, you know, all this growth is making sure we maintain those connected communities as well. There is, you know, there's the infrastructure side of things, but um, making sure that people were feeling included and um, connected in their communities. And that's one of the things that showed up in the Hibiscus Coast Needs Assessment and also on the Hibiscus and Bays Needs Assessment that the board has um has conducted we did it the hibiscus coast was in 2015 and the east coast bays was last year um was one thing was loneliness so people do are feeling that disconnect okay. um especially as we're seeing quite a lot of um immigrants come into our community as well so i think that's one of the challenges that also comes with growth that isn't always acknowledged so um there's a lot of work that we have to do as individuals as community organizations and also in the government um sector to be able to Mm. Um, make those demands, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. What are some of the solutions that you think could work for that, for connecting communities? For connecting communities. Wow, so that's what we're kind of going through at the moment. brainstorming. Yes, yeah, brainstorming ideas. Um, So on the Hibiscus Coast, what we've had is a Whangaparaa future group that's been established to um, create, so networking opportunities, firstly with the business networking group, but also recently had a community coordinator in there. So we've also just opened up, um, well, they've opened up um, the Whangaparaa Community Hub, so that's a place where anyone can go to um, for, uh, there'll be provide social services provided and whatnot, and um, yeah, so we're sort of in the um, developing phases there of looking how can we better like connect our community 
Um, yeah, so it definitely is a challenge, but I guess I think individuals have a lot to play on that, making sure you know you look out for your neighbours and um, cre- creating that sense of community within your own street. Um, yeah, so I think that's something that definitely continually brainstorming and so what would be uh, one problem that you'd love to tackle or solve in the next 40 years? Mm-hmm. Take it long term. Okay. Um, well, as I mentioned, I think what we just discussed actually around loneliness and those connected communities, making sure that everyone feels a part of a community, I think that's something that is a problem, as I mentioned, that's sort of been um, underestimated at the current point in time, and it's something that I think we really do need to work towards um, in the future, especially with, I guess, technology, the way it's heading and the way that people are sort of maybe staying more, you know, keeping more to themselves and living their lives online. But also with this growth and, you know, making sure that people and with busy lives, like, they remain connected and communities are flourishing and um, taking pride on the local area as well. So I think that's one thing that we do have to address as a society and as many different sectors of the society coming together to um, work towards that. <clears throat> and that's something that you think you'll go down personally? Um, yes, well that's something, that, yeah, that's yeah. definitely, I guess, I'm passionate for and I feel that, <clears throat> yeah, definitely would like to work towards to see that um, achieved, yeah. <laughs> What's the tra- trajectory there for you personally and how you think you could best achieve those goals? I think I see politics as definitely um, playing such an important role in our um, society and mm. there's a way that um, there's a number of changes that need to be made there to ensure that a lot of issues are addressed. So um, I guess I'm just waiting to see if we continue on that path. But yeah, yeah I definitely do see it playing such, it's such an important influencer and I think that's something that we do really need to take um, consideration of and that's where like the low voter turnouts, that's where it's really concerning, where people, reali- it seems like they're not realising just the significance influence it is playing and um, making sure that they continually remain engaged and keep mm. up to speed with what's yeah. going on. Ultimately, everything falls on who you are, and I think that's something that we've focused, that there's not enough focus on, mm. so that there's a focus on building up these skills for your career, which is very important and whatnot, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's something <clears throat> need to look forward to building up the character as we continually build up our skills and whatnot as well. That's great. Mm. Mm. Um, how do you think, uh, do you think then the university environment should focus more on character building? Um, yeah, well, um, I guess maybe it's not necessarily university's role to look to that, but um, I think it's something that as individuals you've got to continually look t- to for um, just making sure that you're growing in yourself and, like, for me, making sure, um, yeah, continually looking towards focusing on that too so you've got, you know, what you're wanting, your concrete examples of, working towards success and um, your job and what you're doing and whatnot, but also making sure that you're focusing on yourself. Like, I think reading is, like, and, the, like, listening to your podcast. There we go. Um, <laughs> There's no, the plug. That's the perfect plug. Learning from those who have gone before you and making sure that, um, yeah, that you're continually looking to um, other sources of inspiration and looking and engaging yourself in new ways of doing things and, mm. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give to someone 
who was um, a little bit younger and really interested in politics and they're wanting to... Um, or even just someone who's wanting to be in the public space and um, be confident um, in the public space, what advice would you give to them? What can they do to help prepare themselves or mm-hmm. build character in that mm-hmm. sense towards that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think... One thing that I would recommend doing is sort of get involved with your community organisations and what's happening in your community. We've got some really um, just cool things underway, like on the coast in particular, we've got Love Soup. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, which they um, they run community meals um, every once a week for people in the community who might not have that those physical resources available, and it's a great way for people to come together. Um, as well so I would like involved just volunteering we've actually got a lot of opportunities whether it be with um, environment getting um, stuck in there or yeah just helping out with uh, different organizations that are going on so getting that involvement first off first off would be great and also I think just getting engaged in there are avenues which you can working through your through local government through youth advisory panels. We've got the Auckland Youth Advisory Panel, which um, young people can sign up for, and um, a representative for each area because we've got twenty wards in Auckland, which is the structure of the super city. So um, there's a way for people to you know have that influence there. Um, yeah, I think also just yeah looking there knowing that there are avenues to get involved and to just step forward and to pursue those is, mm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's really important just to get involved, I think, no matter what the end, yeah. end goal is for yeah. you, um, just to get involved in things that you're passionate about and just yeah. try and make a difference. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it's important if you've got a particular area of interest, of passion, is mm. to like just completely work towards that and to see work towards the change that you want to see in that area. Um, I know we've got like Save Okura um, Street, yeah, yeah, so that's like some one way that people could get involved if they wanted to. Um, such a precious um, bit of land that we do need to protect and preserve, so I, I know there's lots of young people involved in that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just worth, yeah, picking up your cause and really championing mm. that would be a way to go. Mm. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. That's a great place to end it, I think. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Caitlin. It was really interesting to hear about what you're up to um, and all the amazing things that you're doing, and, and it is pretty cool. So um, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to come and speak with us. Oh, no worries. Thank you guys for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun.